members what's going on. Summer is almost here and Gauda's regional meeting slate is full steam ahead. This week saw the return of the Gauda Northeast Regional Meeting from May 10th to the 12th in Galloway, New Jersey. The event was a home run as Gauda members were treated to the fantastic mix of networking and education that you've come to expect at a Gauda event. Gauda Media was lucky enough to be on site for the event. To see pictures from the regional, check out the May 15th Gauda Connection or click the link in the description below. Thank you to regional co-chairs Michael Truba and Tom Biederman for organizing such a fantastic event. The next event on the regional meeting schedule is the Seven Springs Regional in Seven Springs, Pennsylvania. Registration for that event is open now. To learn more about the event or to register, click the link in the description below. Prior to attending the Northeast Regional, GAUTA Executive Director John Ospina and GAUTA Media traveled to see GAUTA members in the Northeast Region. We were treated to facility tours and were able to present members with tokens of appreciation for their continued support of the association. The third quarter issue of Welding and Gases Today will feature a full recap of these member visits. And stay tuned for future episodes of GAUTA TV where we will have footage from the visits as well. GAUTA is looking to continue these member visits throughout the year. If you would like a representative from the association to visit your facility, reach out to Natasha Alexis at GAUTA using the email address in the description below. We've got a great show lined up for you today, so stick around right after a word from today's presenting sponsor, SafetyCart. We are lucky enough to be joined first today by Stuart Williams. Stuart is the Vice President of Supply Chain and Product Management at AWG. Stuart, we really appreciate you being with us today. You gave a presentation at this year's Spring Management Conference entitled Improve Your Company's Performance Through Practical Analysis. For those who weren't able to attend, can you give viewers a brief overview of that presentation? So the key, three key things that are really touched on, you know, one is why it's so important to have a long-term supply chain strategy that's rooted in your data. A uh, second big piece is uh, how we have distinguished our B2B and B2C customer channels uh, and how we've used the information related to those to really drive uh, our sales and inventory strategies. And then I took some time to share additional metrics that we use uh, and have been using for the last few years. You discussed those key metrics. The term you used during the presentation was the analytics revolution. When did you realize that AWG really needed to dive deeper into those analytics and metrics? And then where did you start? Uh, truthfully, I knew when I walked in the door. Uh, every company I've ever worked for, we've always had a lot of data, uh, and we've always needed to try and figure out what's really telling us about the core of the business. So that was uh, that was the key piece for me. Uh, when I walked in, we really were tracking a lot of stuff, frankly, because it's what we had always tracked. And so we took those, continued to refine them to really get the understanding of where our, how our core business is operating and what's really telling us uh, to make uh, what's really helping us to make good, decisive actions. So you mentioned the sheer amount of data. How were you able to compile and sift through that amount of information in order to drill down to the things that were really important to your company? Really, it's going back to uh, focusing on our core competencies and what's really important to us to be able to deliver to our customers. Uh, when we started there, we were able to uh, take what we had been measuring, peel off the things that were less relevant, and really dig in deep to the types of things that are actually telling us how we're performing with our customers and certainly what's impacting our bottom line. So once you did that practical data analysis, can you share what it revealed about AWG and how you were able to make use of that information to tangibly improve the company? Sure, there are two 
really uh, big pieces for us. The first piece I mentioned at the top, and that's really our customer channels, truly understanding how it is that we are delivering to our customers and what's really driving the business forward. Uh, being able to do that and continue to track it over time so that we actually realize that it's been very consistent and we are doing what we say we're going to do. From the inventory perspective, it's really how well is our inventory performing for us and how are we tailoring our inventory strategy to effectively serve our customers. For those companies not as far along as you are, and that are just starting to look at these types of analytics, it can be daunting. Where would you suggest that they should start? I would say start with your financial metrics. I mean, that's the core, or should be the core, of your business health. You can uh, take the uh, basic financial ratios and really start to dig into and understand what is it that's actively driving your business. What's making those numbers go up? What's making the numbers go down? And that'll help lead you into things that are even more nuanced or more specific to your business. And that'll then give you an even closer look uh, for a diagnostic on how to plan better in the future. Is there anything else on this topic that you'd like to leave viewers with today? Data shouldn't be scary. You know, too often uh, the data and the analytics, even the title of my presentation, it feels kind of wonky. It feels like it's hard to get. Uh, it's really hard to get into it. Uh, but I'd say start somewhere. Start with those financial metrics. Uh, you know, that, that I mentioned at the top. Uh, but as you'll see, as you get into it, it becomes more of an iterative process that really helps you drive your continuous improvement, and you truly will see the benefits of it over time. Stuart, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. We're joined next today by Jay Spielvogel. Jay is the president of Venator Sales Group. Jay, we really appreciate you coming on the show today. Oh, it's a pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity. Jay, you wrote an article for the second quarter issue of Welding Gases Today entitled The Four Best Ways to Drive CRM Adoption and Accountability. Can you talk about the main points of that article and why you felt it was such an important topic? I appreciate the question. So in the article we talked about the challenges, really starting with the issues people are having when it comes to driving their salespeople. You know, there's so many distributors and all that are getting more into technology, implementing different CRM applications. And the biggest complaint that we're hearing is that salespeople aren't using it. You know, they're not putting their notes in, they're not updating opportunities, they're not putting close dates, they're not uh, putting all their activity into it, and it becomes a struggle and almost a conflict, if you will. So it's all about ways to kind of create more collaboration with your team and get them to put that information in, in a meaningful manner as opposed to just as people call it, pencil whipping and just throwing data at management, if you will, to make them happy. You just alluded to it. A lot of people are just putting in pro forma notes because it's what they've been told that they have to do. You discussed using CRM as a coaching, reviewing, and mentoring tool. Can you expand on that idea? So great question, Steve. You know, one of the challenges that we see across the board with the way a lot of companies implement CRM is that managements, they're very busy, so it becomes more efficient. They efficiently review dashboards. They'll send the threatening emails to salespeople at the end of the week. You didn't put enough notes in. You didn't put enough activity. You didn't update your opportunities. And while those things might be important from a quantifiable standpoint, what we look at is we look at it more qualifiable. You know, let's, let's not just look at the notes to count, which is actually not as important as d doing a deep dive, reviewing those notes, using an opportunity to reach out to a sales rep and say, you know, I was reviewing your notes from this particular meeting. 
why don't we try calling this other stakeholder? Or I noticed some of the responses. Let's leverage the opportunity to ask a few more questions. So what we try to get people to do, and, and it helps in the relationship with their reps, especially as they're implementing CRM, is don't just count. It's not just about sending reports and, or another example is sending a note every week. You gotta get your update, your opt opportunities updated. We don't wanna see close dates past tomorrow. Well, that's important, but even more so is looking at those opportunities, reaching out to reps and saying, you know, I reviewed some of these ops, you have it at 50%, let's sit down, let's discuss this, let's make sure we truly are there. So the concept is, is to use it as a coaching platform as opposed to using it as a just a reporting tool, which then gets viewed by sales reps as the hammer again, the micromanagement, and that's what we want to stay away from. A big theme of all of your articles, not just this one, but others that have been published in Welding Gases today, has been that meaningful change has to come from the top and then trickle its way down. Can you explain that concept as it relates to CRM adoption? So we have a, we have a saying in Venator, actually two of them. One of them is you can't coach what you can't see. We actually, we like to look at salespeople more as athletes than workers, if you will. And just like in sports, where you would review the videotapes to see, let's look at this game, let's look at how things went. Well, our philosophy is CRM should give a manager an opportunity to view that videotape, to sit down with a rep, leverage it. The other saying is you can't manage what you're, what you're not looking at. So a lot of times what we see, and salespeople will complain about this, is that their manager is using the CRM less than they are. You know, so one example is we are very big on, as you're reviewing an opportunity, open it up with the sales rep in the CRM, and let's look at that CRM together. Let's look at the notes. So what, what's happening in the organization is that we're starting to build that platform and salespeople, it's a follow the leader concept. When they see that their manager is opening up whatever application, whether it's Salesforce, SalesI, uh, Microsoft, it doesn't matter, Oracle, it doesn't matter what they're using, when the salespeople see the manager opening it up and looking at it with them, now it's follow the leader again. So it starts from the top and then everybody starts to follow. You've had the opportunity to work with several GAUTA members on sales consulting and training. Are there any common missteps that you've seen with regards to CRM implementation? Yes, there definitely is. And I don't think it's just GAUTA. Across the board, the number one is that we see companies giving up, or you might say giving in, you know, where they're getting a lot of pushback from their sales team. Salespeople will say, They'll, you know, I don't have the time to enter my notes. Do you want me to sell or do you want me to put stuff into the CRM? You know, there's so many different things. And what companies do is they, they spend a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of resources, it becomes an IT project, and then they give up or they give in. It's not uncommon for us to talk to a company where we'll walk in and they're using a CRM or they used to, and they'll say, oh, we gave up on that a few years ago. Or we'll walk in and see that it's just, no one's using it. Opportunities that were supposed to close 10 years ago, data that's outdated at this point. So the number one issue is we see people, I like to say, throwing the baby out with the bathwater in this case, where the CRM is the baby, the bathwater is, is not using it, or the pressure that we don't want to use it, so they give up. The second challenge that we see is that there, it goes back to what I was saying before, where they're using it to just count. You know what I mean? To count activity, to send dashboards, to just view. And again, the salespeople get those emails and say, you, you didn't enter this many, you were supposed to enter this many notes. So the salespeople, what we say in Venator is the salespeople, they're, they're, they're good, they're smart. And they start to game the system. They'll put exactly the notes, they'll enter stuff in. 
It won't be quality, but it'll meet the quantity requirement. There again, that's not necessarily the best use of a CRM as a tool for culture change as opposed to just a technology solution. Steve, one other issue that I see, and I, I see this with a lot of organizations, in fact, I wrote an article about it. When people implement CRM, the article was, con the concept was is that stages in the pipeline are not aligned with the process of the sales training. So we see a lot of training that's saying, don't rush to quote, don't jump into presentation, try to ask questions, align, get to know their business issues, who the stakeholders, but then we'll see the pipeline stages have milestones at proposal, quote, presentation. So one of the things that we that is extremely meaningful and really helps salespeople out is when you spend the time looking at your CRM and aligning it with whatever training you're doing, making sure that the stages that salespeople are setting their opportunities at have some sort of relationship to what you're training them, the sales process steps. So that's a great way to drive adoption is to make sure that what you're training, the company's sales culture and training process, is very much embedded in the company's CRM, that the two are married together. What's the last thing that you want to leave viewers with before we go today? Number one, it's two things. Number one, again, don't give up, don't give in. If you've got a CRM in place, brush it off, get the data cleaned up, and rebrand it. Get the sales team, everyone in the organization, to see that as we take this company to the next level, as we're elevating our company and it's going to benefit everybody, we're going to leverage the technology not as a hammer for micromanagement, but as something that creates that collaboration. So don't give up, rebrand it. The second part is I would really just reinforce that concept. I see so many cases where management, sales management and sales people are using it, but the president of the company just gets a spreadsheet. Senior leadership, C-suite, all the way on down. Everybody's got to be working in it. Marketing should be communicating with salespeople in it and making it a company culture as opposed to just a piece of technology. Jay, thank you so much for your time and your insight today. We really appreciate it. To read Jay's article in the second quarter issue of Well Made Guesses today, click the link in the description below. Being active for more than 70 years, always following the original mission. Wherever gas is the integral part and provides energy for everyday life, there will be the technological and productive commitment from Cavani Group. Finally, we're joined today by Bill McCloy and Charles Grodecki from Amwin's Program Underwriters. Gentlemen, thank you for your time today. Hey, thanks, Steve. Thanks for having us. Um, when you approached me about this topic today on uh, cyber and all, Amwins is all about specialization, and so I wanted to bring in an actual cyber expert, and so I'm going to um, hand it over to my colleague, uh, Charles Grodecki, and let him really go through the cyber line with you. Why is cybersecurity such a hot-button issue right now? So cyber has become a required coverage line within any kind of insurance program, um, and it's become less of an issue of if it's going to happen, but when you're going to get attacked. Um, so whether it's an increase in exposure, um, increase in ransomware attacks across all industries, or a contractual requirement, um, cyber is now a very important insurance product to, to be purchasing. What does a cyber policy typically cover? So basically, it's, it's any sort of... Um, any sort of financial loss that could be caused by a cyber incident, whether somebody else is suing you for losing their information, whether it's some kind of ransomware attack, or if it's any kind of business income loss because your 
network is down. Um, another very common exposure that we see is financial fraud as well, which is covered under insurance policy. What are some of the recent trends that you're seeing in the cyber market? Are cyber attacks really becoming that much more common? Yeah, so the past few years, we've seen a massive increase in ransomware attacks, um, and that has caused a massive shift in the cyber market. Historically, coverage has gotten broader and broader and broader with pricing getting lower and lower. Um, and this year, there's been a massive correction. Well, actually, the past two years, there's been a massive correction where pricing has doubled, tripled, even quadrupled in some cases. And coverage, unfortunately, has gotten more restrictive as well. So a lot of carriers are, you know, revamping their appetites, underwriting appetites. There's less carriers that are offering coverage for certain uh, industries. Um, basically, the market is getting more limited, um, coverage more restrictive, and uh, rates are just going up. For a typical Gauda distributor, what are some common exposures that you've seen them as having? So a retail distributor, whether web-based or not, they have the obvious exposure of holding client information. Um, payment card information, uh, some of their clients' names and addresses. Um, obviously, if they mishandle that information or release that information um, or get hacked and that information is released, the insured can get sued for um, losing that information. The two largest exposures we're seeing in the cyber insurance market are ransomware and social engineering. And ransomware is basically you know somebody hacking in and encrypting everything saying hey pay us this much bitcoin um uh, or else we're going to get rid of all your info meanwhile your business is down you're losing business income um and all that is covered under insurance policy um they have lawyers and breach coaches to walk you through everything including how to get bitcoin uh the other big exposure is social engineering loss which is basically you as a company getting duped into wiring funds uh, to a fraudulent account um, it's very, very common and um, nearly every insured, any organization has that risk. You talked about the risk that these members are open to. What are some controls that will make them a better risk? So I'm, I'm an insurance broker and not a tech guy, so I can tell you the general information, but not exactly what everything does. Uh, the big ones are uh, multi-factor authentication. Um, Basically, if you're logging in remotely, you have something asking, you know, text me this number or call back. The next one is uh, segregated backups, uh, having your information backed up separately from your network. Um, that can be either in the cloud or on some sort of offline uh, storage. Uh, and the third thing uh, that the carriers like to see is something called an EDR tool. Um, and that's basically endpoint detection and response. Um, and that's as far as I know, I can't really tell you the rest of how that works. Um, there is one more control that the market's beginning to um, require, and that's a PAM tool, which stands for uh, Privileged Access Management. Um, and that's basically monitoring, you know, who's logging in where to, to um, private files internally. Uh, but those four are the main controls. Um, any IT guy would likely know exactly what they do. Um, but for the most part, a good risk has each of those in place. It seems like ransomware and phishing attacks are a bigger risk today than they ever have been in the past. What last message would you like to leave Gauda members with before we go today? So, yeah, Steve, I think the, the main message to leave is this is an exposure that, um, you know, Amwins can handle. 
Uh, Charles has the ability to, you know, he's got multiple markets uh, depending on controls. And, and, you know, we spoke earlier, there are even things distributors may not think about, such as those doing telemetry that, you know, they are subject to, you know, a broad range of attacks if somebody goes in through that outlet. So I, I think it's as with all things, these distributors, all exposures, these distributors are uh, experiencing, this is just becoming more prevalent and something they really need to address from the smallest up to the largest distributor. Bill, Charles, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. We at Nikiso are the leaders in cryogenic pump solutions, starting with our state-of-the-art manufacturing facility here in California. Nikiso ACD is an OEM cryogenic pump manufacturer that's been designing and building cryogenic pumps for nearly 75 years. When it comes to service, nobody does it better. We have six strategically located service centers in North America ready to help you with aftermarket solutions. Call us for cryogenic pump service, parts, or just general advice. We'll help keep your plant running for generations to come. When service matters, we've got you covered. Today's member news segment is brought to you by Anthony Welded Carts, home of the patented load and roll front caster cylinder carts. We begin today with some sad news. Gauda extends its condolences to the friends and family of James L. Vite Jr., who passed away at the age of 53. James, or Bub as he was known, was a staple in leading Vite's reputation in the industry. He was a friend to anyone who crossed his path, and he will be missed by all who knew him. In happier news, Weld Co. appointed Tim Selleck as its new general manager. The CGA recognized its safety award winners during its 2022 annual meeting in Naples, Florida. To see the full list of winners, click the link in the description below. American Torch Tip Company welcomed Justin Banks as an inside sales manager. Alliance Distribution Partners appointed Jewel Chamberlain as a territory manager. CO2 Meters Josh Pringle was honored with the IBDEA's Harold Bateman Award. CO2 Meter also announced that it had acquired GasLab.com, a leader in oxygen gas sensing and monitor technology. The Women of Gas and Welding Committee is now accepting applications for its educational grant program, which will provide financial support to two female GAUTA members to attend the University of Innovative Distribution in 2023 and 2024. For more information about the grant, click the link in the description below. Elite Cryogenics held a successful open house at its newly constructed Conroe, Texas facility to celebrate its expansion. To read more about any of these member news items, or to submit member news of your own, read the full May 15th Gauta Connection in your email inbox today, or by clicking the link in the description below. Gauta Media is the go-to resource for news and information about the gases and welding industry. Through our wide variety of publication platforms, Gauta Media keeps our members up to date on all of the most breaking news, emerging trends, and member events in the industry. Want to get your company's message seen? We have a quarterly print publication, a twice-monthly newsletter, an online buyer's guide, and a twice-monthly news show. If it's happening at Gas and Welding, it's happening on Gauta Media. Want to learn more? Contact your Gauta Media representative today. Thank you so much to everyone who tuned in today. It was great seeing everyone who attended the Northeast Regional, and we can't wait to see other GAUTA members throughout the summer at other regional meetings. Until next time, for all of us here at GAUTA TV, this is Steve Guillermo signing off.